Now, look, some days it does feel like everything's crazy. Do you ever feel that? Like, just, just look around your life and you think, things are insane. This is just nuts. Like, this is, um, the, this is a headline article in the newspaper. Fans being paid to be fans at the Qatar World Cup because they don't have enough fans coming along or they're scared that they will. So they're, they're this fake media frenzy to make Qatar the World Cup look like a success. And you just think fans being paid to be fans, man, that's crazy. If you uh, look out into the world and you think, well, maybe you know, everything's different from what it was like when I was a kid. You, know, you look at your robot vacuum cleaner. That vacuums the house without you doing anything. And you think about your own child and you think, that's crazy. The world is a different place. Maybe you brush your teeth with a... Uh, oh, hold on, I didn't even turn my clicker. Um, you, maybe you brush your teeth with a, uh, a toothbrush that is a very smart toothbrush and actually has a live video feed from the toothbrush head to your phone sitting on you in front of the counter so you can just check exactly. You're getting all that plaque out and you just think, man, that's crazy. Maybe you look at your life and all the stuff you end up doing in a week. Anything, man, that's crazy. Or you, maybe you look at yourself and some of the ways that you do things. You know, you've done that. Look at the little ways that you've learned to cope with life and actually stop and evaluate it. And you think, from someone else's perspective, man, actually, that's, that's, that's pretty crazy. The things, you, uh, the things you say when you're with people and then you walk away later and you think, oh, man, oh, gee, what did I, what did I say that for? That was crazy. Or, or you, the things that you do to impress people. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe on the weekend you wear high heels to impress people. That's crazy, right? Like, not actually an insult to anyone, to, to our, our high heel wearing ladies. Um, but when sometimes when you sin even, and later on you just think, why did I do that? Like it's not even me, it's not even what I want to do. Why did I do that? That was just crazy. It made no sense. Now, this afternoon, we're going to see a man hit the heights of crazy, well, really, the lows of crazy, and God's going to help us to stay sane in a crazy world. That's where we're headed. Now, look, the, the story is in an unusual format, right? It's in an edict, and Nebuchadnezzar is the storyteller. This is the, the king of the empire has put out a TV ad to be played throughout the empire, a, a queen's announcement, an imperial pronouncement, or king we got these days, don't we? And, and it's really unusual for Nebuchadnezzar because something, something must have happened to him. Because did you notice the edict is not about him? And that's about the first time this guy has said much when it's not all about him. It's not about his glory and achievements at all. It's about God. I am pleased to tell you about the miracles and wonders that the Most High God has performed. How great are His miracles? How mighty are His wonders? His kingdom is an eternal kingdom and His dominion is from generation to generation. Not just is God the subject rather than Nebuchadnezzar, but when Nebuchadnezzar talks about His world, of which He rules the whole thing, He says it's God's kingdom, not mine. His kingdom, He says, is actually belonging to a foreign Israelite God. This is a different Nebuchadnezzar. Something must have happened. Now, to show you just how weird that is, though, I wonder if you might speak the same way as Nebuchadnezzar sometimes. Like, like are you like this? When I think about my life and I talk about my life and my world, did you hear what I just said? My life, my world. Like, when I think about my life, I'm thinking about what I do on Mondays, what I do on Tuesdays, what I do on Wednesdays, what my house looks like, what my car is like, all of these things. Well, do you talk about your life as if it's God's life? 
and you just get to play the part? Or is it if it's my life and I'll see if I let God in? You see, I wonder if actually Nebuchadnezzar here is more godly, this foreign king, in the way that he's talking and thinking, in this just, in, at least in this moment, than the way I think about my life. He has really changed. Now, if you want to really change, how could this happen to you? Let's, let's, let's keep going on the story. Now, as you listen to this story, did you feel like this was familiar? Like there's some elements that we'd already encountered in Daniel. So Nebuchadnezzar is living it up again. He has a dream again. It frightens him again. His pagan experts can't help him with its meaning again. But again, Daniel can. And he dreams of this tree. A tree of, a tree of provision, visible from the ends of the earth, giving life to the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. This is a, a, a providing tree, a vision that instantly transports the, the biblically minded of us back to Genesis, doesn't it? The, the, this, this sort of space where God is the provider, the provider for the beasts of the field, for the birds of the air, for the fish of the sea, for the humans who live in them, and the trees are the ways that he does this. Of course, capped with the tree of life in his beautiful paradise garden. Now, this tree is not only good, it's good for everything that comes to shelter in it. And so it, it jars when this watcher comes along. Because this is a good tree and it's good for everyone else. And this watcher, this spiritual being, comes down from heaven, comes down from the spiritual realm and announces its destruction. Cut it down. Chop the branches off. Get rid of it. Put a bit of ground up on the top of the sucker. Make sure it doesn't grow back. We're going to bind it up with bronze and iron. I don't know if you'd ever actually bind up a tree with bronze and iron and whether it would work, but, but this thing is going to be held. Now, the stump will stay, but it's even, even the stump is in handcuffs. It's a bit sad. This beautiful tree, giving so much to so many people. It's a tragedy. Now, dreams are weird. You know how when you're in a dream um, and then like you're in one place and then all of a sudden you're like in another place and like you have no idea how you got there, but it makes total sense. Like you do not question this at all. Like you're just like, yeah, totally fine, you know. Like you're, 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 you're there and you're talking to someone and then you're talking to them and all of a sudden they become a phone booth and you don't question it. Like it's just totally normal. Or you're there, you're walking through your house and all of a sudden you're not walking through your house, you're swimming through your house, but you can still, you still don't need to breathe even though you're just swimming and it's all fine. Like you have these dreams and these things. Okay, maybe I'm the only weird one. But anyway, like your dreams get weird and you don't question it. This happens here because... All of a sudden, the tree is a person. Did you notice that? Like, it just switches like that. No explanation, it just happens. And then the person is an animal. No explanation again, just is. Let him be drenched with the dew from the sky and share the plants of the earth with the animals. Let his mind be changed from that of a human. Let him be given the mind of an animal for seven periods of time. Now, we have actually discovered fragments of, of various uh, Babylonian texts that indicate that Nebuchadnezzar's son was unwell with some malady for seven years and so unable to, to rule in that time and, and others that sort of might talk about a different king possibly having a, that kind of experience. So there's, there's like records in the, in, the, in, the, um, in the archives from that time of an event kind of like this. It's kind of, I just find that kind of interesting. It's kind of cool, isn't it? Now, understandably, if you're a king, right, and you have this dream, the idea that there's someone out there who can give that kingdom to anyone he wants, 
that's anxiety producing. Right? Like, I'm not, I'm not cool with this. Now, is there anyone here who has no poker face? Anyone here? You, so you, you, know, you, you, have, you know exactly what you're thinking. As soon as you get the aces, it's like, oh, okay, fold. Like, you're really easy to read. Okay, Daniel is your friend, right? As soon as he hears the dream, he's like, oh, oh, oh. And the king's like, whoa, whoa, look, just relax. It's going to be okay. And Daniel's like, no, 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 no. It's not going to. His face says everything. Once again, Daniel then comes out with one of those diplomatic lines you will ever hear a man. Like, if you ever need to give someone bad news, this is the line you use, right? May the dream apply to those who hate you. <laughs> Very diplomatic. I'm on your side, but apparently God's not. Just please don't kill me, right? This is, this, is, this is the message. Because the tree is you, he says. You've been great and strong. You've been the provider. You have your dominion that extends to the ends of the earth. In fact, actually... I don't know if you picked it up or even if I said it right, but the verb tense there was interesting. You have been great and strong. Oh, I don't like that past tense. You have been great and strong. Not you are great and strong. You're going to become an animal. Talk like the animals, walk like the animals, eat, sleep, get long fingernails like the animals. I love that description, hair like the feathers of a bird. Like, isn't that just, you know, you've seen, I've seen some guys at Woodford Folk Festival with hair like that. Like, it's crazy. These... He has become animalistic, subhuman, lost his reason. See, humanity was created in the image of God to rule. Like all humans were created according to God's Bible, according to the Scriptures, to rule. Not just kings as the ancient world sort of pagan religions had it. No, the whole, the whole of humanity were. And now this guy who used to be the, the king of the rulers of the world, the king of humans who are all meant to, he can't even exist in human culture, can't even be with other humans. Until when? Until you can acknowledge God, says Daniel. That's, that's the point here. Until you can acknowledge that heaven rules, that you are not the most important factor in all of this, that your human abilities are not the thing that determines everything that happens on this earth. There is something in someone higher than you. Hear that principle. Now, there's a stump there. The kingdom will be restored. The, 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 it, it will be, but, but, but until then, it's locked up. It's in handcuffs as well. See, this God that you saw coming down from heaven, this holy one, this watcher, was sent to you by the most high God. And he is against you, says Daniel. It's not good news. Now, this is, this is an interesting one. Um, the gods in the Bible refer not so much to sort of... Well, I mean, this is a hard one to play out, right? Because sometimes you read the Bible and you think, hold on, are there actually other gods? Or is it just talking like there's other gods because the other nations think that there's other gods? Because it, it speaks like there's other gods. This is Because even the, even the term God, the most high, implies that there are a bunch of gods and this is just the, the strongest one out of them. And that's what the ancient world thought. There were lots of gods, and the Jews just happened to think that theirs was the strongest. And in a way, that's actually true, because God is spirit, we hear in the Bible. And there are many other spiritual beings of the same sort of kind and order as him in the way that we're not. God is spirit, and there are other spiritual beings. They are spirit too. Heaven is the realm that they inhabit. That's the realm for the spiritual beings, this heavenly other dimension, not physically upwards, but outside of our physics. And ours is this earthly realm. It's kind of like Job, you know, when the, the, the spiritual beings, the angels, the Elohim, the gods, present themselves before God at the heavenly court. 
Well, that's a thing. But as the Bible goes on, and as we go through it, you start to see it revealed that when the Most High God sends a God to do His bidding, that even these other gods are simply just creatures of another kind. They are created beings. There is only one Creator God. And anything else other than that Creator God, while they might be superhuman in form and belong to a realm that is above us, they are also creatures of that Creator God. So just when you're reading your Bible, like just relax about that and be, be, be comfortable with that because God will often speak as if there are many gods. He doesn't always correct the pagans every time they speak like thinking and they speak as if there's another God sort of up in his league. But this time he actually does. See, he says here, there, there is only one who is the most high. So I guess I, guess I want to elevate your view of the gods. Gods really exist. These spiritual beings really exist and they influence matters and, and they matter in God's eyes what they think. And also I want to completely put them in their place because there's no, there's no devil out there who's about as strong as Jesus and Jesus and the devil are having this arm wrestle sort of in a spiritual plane and we're not quite sure who's going to win. Uh, th- there is no one like our God. He is the creator. And everything else falls on the, on the, in the, in the, in the distinction between all things made and the one who made them. Every other God falls on the other side of someone who is made by that God. All right, now look, back in the story. A year passes, 12, 12 months. It's been a while. I don't know if you've ever sort of read something in the Bible and then have you ever been so evil that you read something in the Bible that you shouldn't do and you actually did that sin within 12 months? Yeah, you've been that bad? Yeah, yeah. Like, this is rough, isn't it? Like, he's getting a, he's getting a, a hard judgment. I mean, look at what he says. What does he say? One night, he's walking around on his roof Is this not Babylon the Great that I have built to be a royal residence by my vast power and for my majestic glory? It's not the worst sentence I've ever heard. I hear far worse than that every week at my soccer dressing room. Like, you know, the hockey players that I grew up with. Like, they say things every two seconds that, like, God should far more likely, like, I mean, some of them look like animals already, but, like, just, that, you know, like, if you're going to thunder and lightning and, 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 and sort of fire and brimstone somebody, they say things that are far worse than that sentence. This is a severe, severe justice. The, the, hey, look what I built. It's pretty awesome. doesn't say a lot more than that. You see, God was determined to teach him a lesson. And it was serious. It, was, it had implications. See, if God was determined to teach Peter Kutuzov a lesson as severe as this one, how many of the sentences that I've said this week would serve just as well as a trigger? How many of the thoughts that run through my head show no more humility before the Most High God than that sentence did? Just, just a thought. The phrase, God willing, is a good one. The phrase, God willing. Have you ever heard people say, oh yeah, we're gonna, God willing, we're going to head out to the pub on Friday night and we'll have a meal? God willing. I intend to get a good sleep tonight. And God willing, I intend to get up tomorrow, work, watch the first World Cup match with a ginger beer in my hand. And if he's not willing, I won't. It's a good phrase. Now, while the words were in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it's declared the kingdom has departed from you. You'll be driven away from people to live with wild animals you'll feed on grass like cattle for seven periods of time until you acknowledge the most high is ruler over human kingdoms and gives them to anyone he wants 
And at that moment, the message against Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from the people. He ate grass like the cattle. His body was drenched with the dew from the sky until his hair grew like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Beastliness is an interesting thing in the Bible. I don't know if you've seen it. Once you start thinking of the category of being like a beast as being uh, unreasoned, uh, unable to control uh, appropriately desires and things like that, you'll see it as as a motif from from the very start of the Garden of Eden all the way through to Revelation. And here, it's judgment. It is judgment from God uh, for his hubris, for for his pride, directly inflicted. Um, and if you could flick forward for me, Robert, if you don't mind, there's a, just get me to the Romans 1 slide. In Romans 1, it is also God's wrath and judgment that we lose our human reason. See, sin has this tendency to dehumanize people. This is, this is, what, this is sort of in this, the classic, classic um, bit of the Bible that talks about how sin has affected us. For although they knew God, this is all of humanity, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. You see that, you see that in Nebuchadnezzar, don't you? This is my glorious Babylon I have built. Didn't glorify Him as God or give thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And that sin t- turns our minds to do things that are not fit for humanity. It throws our minds forward as well, this, this beastly stuff, to the, to the later chapters of Daniel, where the kingdoms of the earth are portrayed as, as beasts. And we'll get there soon. But this is a severe mode of discipline. I, I want to ask you, how would you feel if your dignity was ripped away from you? How would you feel your dignity was gone, your human capacities, and you were animalistic? Uh, maybe, maybe that's actually what you'd feel like if you confessed all of your sins. Would you feel like if you actually confessed your sin that your dignity would be ripped away from you? See, this is the process that Nebuchadnezzar went on to be changed. This is the thing. This was a really successful change. This was a really impressive rebuke. Nebuchadnezzar learned. Here is a foreign king Who's, and some guy comes in with his foreign god, completely alien stuff to him, and he was able to learn to change. And not only that, God had mercy on him. This is beautiful. What would it take to change you? What will it take for you to hear rebuke? I, 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 I read my scriptures and yet sin so often, and yet here there is this, this moment of great change. And this is beautiful. This is, this, is a, this is a call for us, for radical change. See, wisdom is learning from other people's mistakes, right? That's, that's like learning from your own mistakes, good. Learning from other people's mistakes before you do the dumb thing, much better, okay? This is us learning from this guy's mistakes. Let us learn like this. Um, that's, that's what the Proverbs is, if you read Proverbs. It's, just, it's the wisdom of other people having done a lot of dumb stuff, don't do the dumb stuff, right? Imagine your pride being exposed like this so that it doesn't have to actually happen to you. Sometimes God's mercies are severe. Sometimes they take a long time. Maybe you're suffering and maybe, or maybe some, some thing has been hard for you. Maybe some sin of yours has, has come back on you in ways that hurt. Maybe that's still the bind you're in. It can last for seven years. I don't think that's a time-limited guarantee. 
See, God's got a long game in mind, and He cares about you, and He's going to use suffering, even your suffering. He's going to use it to change you, to bless you, to make things good. You need to be prepared for that. Learn from Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe this moment, maybe this, this talk will put some things together for you. All right, what do we do? How do we, how are we just going to pull, pull some lessons out of this? How do we act sanely in a crazy world? got three things. The first one is glorify God, not yourself. Glorify God, not yourself. What do you think when you walk around on your rooftop? Probably, ah, because mine's really steep and just light off. But like, like if you, like fig, men, figuratively, if you're walking around your little world, right, mentally, you know, you're surveying your achievements, looking at your medals you got when you were a kid at Little Athletics. I don't, I don't know what your achievements are. Look at your degree on the wall, your tractor that's bright and shiny. Um, I, I don't know what, what your achievements are. But if that's your world, I guess... I'd want to say this. Don't foolishly assume that your life consists in what you can walk around your house and see and say, that's my doing. What do you see when you look at your world? What do you say? In both directions. Because don't look at your life and think, man, this is pretty pathetic. Not going so well. Uh, this is, and it's all on me. No prospects, no family, no money, no house, no job, no love interest, no abilities. Uh, these are the, all the bunches of the negative things some of us accuse ourselves with. And we, and we put it all on ourselves, don't we? It's all on me. Or look at your life and think, man, I'm good. <laughs> this is going great. I must be doing something, right? I can't, it can't be all just luck. I'm, I'm, I'm probably pretty good at this, you know? Got a spouse, got a family, got a money, got a house. Either way, that's us being proud. Both of those two people. Thinking it's all about me. We need to repent. Number one is glorify God. Treat Him as weighty. That, that, that's what, that's what, do you know what the word glorify means? It's, it's, got, it's got the Hebrew word of weight in it, heaviness. Treat God as on the scales like He matters a lot and like you're pretty light on those scales. Attribute all to Him. What, what do you have? Can someone here name me one thing that you have that you did not receive? Paul asked this question in Corinthians. What do you have that you didn't get given by holy God, by your Creator? Now, heaven rules. God gives the kingdoms of the world to anyone He wants. And if you have anything, it's because you've received it. Number one, glorify God. Treat Him as heavy. Number two, ask Jesus for your own kingdom. Seems very weird. <laughs> it's probably a dumb way to say it. Let's go to Luke 12. Jesus says it much better. You see, if you've ever thought it actually would be cool, though, to, to have a kingdom, well, you do get one. This is a passage about people who are anxious. Luke 12, it's sort of like the, the, the sort of parallel Luke version of Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says to his little ones, the ones who are anxious, the ones who are worried, he just told them not to be anxious in the section before, and he says, do not be afraid, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, that is, the, 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 the space when the heaven and earth merge on the last day and Jesus is the king and he is the all in all. Don't be afraid, little ones. He's given you that. Point number two is ask Jesus for the kingdom because he will give it. 
He doesn't give it to people who deserve it. doesn't give it to Nebuchadnezzar. doesn't give it to impressive winners at the game of life. gives it to losers like me and people who have got not that much like you and randoms and the, the little ones who come to him and ask. This is the gospel. Jesus who gives the future that is to come to anyone who will humbly say, God, you are all, I am small, I would love to depend on you. Can you please be that tree? And may I rest in the shadow of your branches, eat fruit from you. Can, can you just be good to me, please? Because I need a dad who's good to me and I have not got the ability to sort things out on my own. I've got my sins and I can't bear the weight of my sins and I need you even to breathe my next breath. Will you please bless me and be with Like the thief on the cross, please, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus says, on that day, it's like he fulfills this promise here. Don't be afraid, little flock. Your father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. And when one of the little flock, a murderer, hanging on a cross says, Jesus, please just remember me when you come into the kingdom. Jesus says, yeah, today you'll be with me in paradise. Number three. Number three is look to the needs of others. Now, I'm hoping that seems random to you because it seemed random to me, but work, work with me here, right? The very next verses. So do not be afraid, little flock, or your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The next verses are, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail. When a thief comes near and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, the point is to stop looking at your little kingdom, your life. Get off your rooftop looking at yourself. Stop judging it. These verses come on the back of anxiety. You see, Nebuchadnezzar on his rooftop wasn't that anxious, you think. He had all this stuff. Things were going great. No, he, but even he was anxious when he got into bed and a dream came along. All it took was a dream. And his years of ruling the world didn't make him feel secure. You can drive yourself crazy by looking at your kingdom, by looking at your little world. No, in fact, that actually is crazy to be constantly focused on your little world, your little kingdom. What Jesus says is different. He says, seek first his kingdom, which is actually the next verse, I think, verse 35, and then all the other things will be added to you. Instead of looking at your life, the sane way to live in this world, once you have glorified God, treated him as weighty, not yourself, gone to Jesus to ask him to give you the kingdom, is then not to look at your own little life and kingdom, but actually to serve others, to, 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 to be someone who gives blessing. And whether you think your life is pathetic or you love it, or you think it's great, not to be obsessed with that, but to look not to yourself, but look to others. I, I, at first I was thinking, is this right, Pete? I think, I think this is, I think this is what, what God would have me do with Daniel 4, and, 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 and to take us here, and I thought, is, does it, is it right? What does Daniel say to King Nebuchadnezzar? Because this, this would have staved off his insanity. He says to him, therefore, your majesty, please. Like you, can see, you can imagine the pleading in this because, you know, he, 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 he likes this king. He wants this guy to be in good with God. He says, please, renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being Kind to the oppressed. Stop looking at the, your greatness and start thinking about the needs of others. See, it's actually the only sane way to live in this crazy world. Glorify God, not yourself. 
Treat him as weighty and hold your own kingdom lightly. Ask Jesus to give you the kingdom. You don't deserve it, but he'll give it to you. And look to the needs of others. Stop looking at yourself. It's the only way to live sanely in a crazy world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for these passages that that are meant to point us to your Son, who didn't look at himself to puff himself up, but took on the nature of a servant, that he held you as weighty, not the opinions of humans, honored you in his life, trusted you even to the point of going to the cross, trusting that you would raise him from death in order to serve other people rather than himself. Heavenly Father, we pray that we'd have the sanity of Jesus, that we'd be able to live in this crazy world glorifying you, asking Jesus for the kingdom and looking not at ourselves all the time, but the needs of others. Father, we just ask that you would help us to do that. To stop and take a moment, not just to, not just to think, oh, yeah, I really should help someone other than myself. I really should stop and look out for the poor. But to make an action plan, to do, Father, help us to, 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 to change like King Nebuchadnezzar did in a fundamental way, to stop looking out and worrying about and being, looking inwards at ourselves but to practically stand up, pick up a shovel and do something for someone other than me that I would be sane in this crazy world. Father, we ask that for all of us in Jesus' name, for his glory, the one who we follow. Amen.